Okay, so I want to transition us um, into the Black Lives Matter discussion. Um, so for anyone who is unfamiliar with what an affinity group is. Thank you, everyone. Oh. Oh, sorry, where are you going to? Okay. Um, I, uh, our new director of operations has done it a few times before, so she um, wrote a description um, that I can read. Um, but it's kind of similar to the concept of a women's mosque, right? So we are not dividing by being here amongst our sisters. We're here in a space where um, we're amongst our peers and, um, and we can talk uh, with one another um, and know that we're being understood. So each of one of us has many layers of identity, our age, gender, religion, nationality, native language, family roles, and so on, um, are just a few of the different ways that we have of categorizing ourselves. Um, and these combinations affect our social experience in specific ways. Um, for example, as a Sri Lankan Muslim, I have a set of experiences and motivations that is different um, from an Arab or an African American Muslim. As a Sri Lankan Muslim female, um, I have a different experience than a Sri Lankan Muslim male, right? Um, and before I can connect with other people, it's important for me to understand the lens through which I see a situation so that I can be sensitive to the specific realities that other people experience uh, that I may not have knowledge of. Understanding different parts that make up my own experience will help me to bring an open-minded and empathetic perspective to the conversations that I have with uh, with people with lenses that are different from mine. So what we're going to do in a second is divide into affinity groups of six or six to eight people, um, and this will be a way for um, as we uh, begin the Black Lives Matter discussion, we'll be able to speak with our affinity groups. So for example, um, there might be a group of um, African American Muslim women who are sitting in a group together and they can discuss what the questions are asking amongst themselves um, before they share with the group. Um, there might be a group of Jewish uh, or Jewish uh, women in the audience. There are Jewish Muslims actually. <laughs> Jewish women in the audience who might sit together and they can discuss the topics amongst themselves and hear from each other. Maybe you might have different perspectives even within your own group, right? And then from there we'll transition and we'll be able to share um, on behalf of each group. Um, so I just ask that when we do this, um, that you encourage the people who are the more quiet voices to speak up. So, um, you know, if you're in a group of six to eight people and you notice there's one person who doesn't speak up as much, let's encourage that person to be the representative for the group, okay? Um, so I'll finish uh, describing. Um, so with all of this in mind, um, one way to create a healthy dialogue about any issue is to discuss it within the space of a specific social experience, a group of people that have a similar background to your own so that you can pick begin to pick apart why you feel what you feel and how others may relate or differ based on their social experiences and or background. Um, this group of people, which in this case we'll define as the same race and ethnicity as you, is called an affinity group. So it's almost like a super safe space within this safe space, right? So you can discuss amongst your peers before sharing with the larger group. Um, and here are just some examples of affinity groups that you might choose. Um, it, black, African-American, Middle Eastern, Southeast Asian, South Asian, East Asian, 
um, multiracial, multiracial American, white, European, Middle Eastern. Um, so just, you know, you, you want to um, form a group based on who you feel an affinity uh, with, but of course, um, you know, if there is no one in your group or if you're the only one, you just join the, the group that's closest to you. Of course, yeah, sorry, I'm just reading the script. Latino, Hispanic, every group. And Native American, yes, thank you. These are just examples. There are more. Um, and so uh, finally, it is extremely important to the Women's Mosque um, that we are an inclusive space. The goal of these groups is to create a greater understanding of perspective in order to facilitate a healthier large group discussion and interaction. Once we understand the different components of our own stories and how they affect us, we can participate in a much larger narrative that can drive powerful positive change. Um, so I'll give you guys a minute. Um, let's try and form groups of six to eight uh, people in each group um, and if you know you uh, if you're the only person in your group you can join the group that you most closely identify with or feel affinity to yeah you're self-organizing we're not going to stipulate um, or define for you okay so um, has everyone formed into an affinity group so let's all have a seat and um, Susan was bringing up a really great point that, you know, this might feel uncomfortable, right, to feel like we're, we're dividing up into these groups, but these groups are our re reality, right? So um, we are acknowledging that we have different experiences, um, and this hopefully will be a tool uh, to help us share our perspectives with one another. Okay, so um, if we could get it quiet, Okay, so um, we will begin uh, the Black Lives Matter discussion now. Um, I, I'll give you guys just maybe one or two minutes to, to discuss how you can activate the hand to fight oppression. So as you guys know, we're continuing today the third part in our Black Lives Matter uh, discussion circle series. Um, and it's uh, formed and founded on this principle, um, at least the way that we're, we're functioning. We're doing it on this hadith of, if you witness injustice, stop it with your hand. If you can't do that, stop it with your heart. If you can't do that, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, stop it with your tongue. If you can't do that, stop it with your heart, but know that the heart is the weakest form of fighting oppression, the weakest form of faith. So today we're on stopping with your hand. So let's take a couple minutes before we begin the discussion, discuss amongst your group, how do you stop oppression with your hand? Yeah, and um, to be clear, so you want to discuss it from the perspective of your affinity group, right? So not just how do human beings do it, but how does our group specifically um, fight against injustice? Okay, so can I get our attention? Also, I'm like, um, so one of the things we wanted to come back today and just kind of pass the microphone and have people... Um, brains. So I guess now that we're in these groups, we can brainstorm about how we can, what are the actions we can take? And I guess we can say activate the hand, but if there's some way that you have um, spoke out against oppression, maybe it's speaking, maybe it's sending an email, maybe it's having a conversation, but something else maybe more active you did um, to just kind of push against inequality, to um, bring light to this idea that um, 
Black Lives Do Matter. I, I can say, for example, the thing that I was going to share today was that I actually went to, um, took the lead of the parent group at my children's school, which is the African American pa Parent Council. And we had our first meeting with our new principal just to make sure that we are, even though we are um, a dual language immersion program, that all cultures are being represented, and specifically speaking for the black kids. One of the things we, we made some plans for the year about what we would do for Black History Month and making sure that would be included in Mandarin so that all the kids could discuss black history uh, figures and role models and some of their quotes and things um, in Mandarin. So it has a, a greater importance, right, when we're, we're sharing culturally. Another thing we brought to the table was um, in a previous year, um, a homework assignment had been submitted um, had been given to students to label continents. And on that continental map, the only countries that were labeled were North, Amer were North American countries, European countries, and Asian countries. So the entire continent of South America, the entire continent of Africa was left out. So I, sometimes I think when we think about Black Lives Matter <clears throat> or that we feel like we have to go to a rally, um, or we have to do, and, and, and those things are important, so by all means, if, that, if that's in your heart to do that. But for me, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a mother, so I'm with my children. So if I can say, hey, we need to make sure that we don't send out this messaging by having children only label continents in North America and Asia, because there are countries in Africa, there are countries in, um, in, in, in Central America and South America, so these are important too, and we should do them in Mandarin so that they understand the, the, the multicultural importance of un understanding each other. So that's something that I did just this week, and I felt really good about that, about bringing parents together, and about having our principal really think about professional development and making sure that the teachers that nurture our children, not just our children, but all of our children are thinking culturally sensitive about one another and appreciating one another. So it could even be stuff like that. So what can we do? What have we done or what might we do? Okay. I think, should we talk amongst ourselves first? So give us like a couple of minutes and then you can have your representative share. Okay, so talk amongst yourselves. Greetings. Greetings, assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Such riveting discussion in our groups, I see. We're having a hard time breaking back. This is so fulfilling, right? Wonderful. Hello. <laughs> Greetings. We are ready to reconvene. So much that they can do here, right? Okay, so why don't we hear from, I don't know if you've elected representatives uh, in your infinity groups, but why don't we hear from uh, each group to, uh, we'd like to hear from you to tell us how you are activating your hand. What are you going to do? Is it going to be something small but powerful, or is it going to be something large and immense? Who would like to go first? Who wants to go first? Woo! Hannah, hi, assalamualaikum. Okay, one of the things that we can do is make sure that we are all listening respectfully to our sister. Ready? 
Alrighty. So uh, one of the things that we had talked about is being a first generation American, we can talk to our parents about, you know, some kind of racial feelings that they have um, that they came probably not knowing just because they probably never met a black person before they came to America. And so a lot of the um, perceptions that they get is from, you know, media, from the news or from movies, which might not put um, people in the best light. And so, you know, being American, you can maybe introduce some of your nice black friends and give them a different perspective um, and help them like take those steps to, you know, help them understand that they might be, you know, unknowingly racist and um, yeah, put them in the right direction. Thank you, group. Um, was there someone else that would like to speak, use your voice from this group? I think that what Hannah said is very powerful. Education and action begins at home. And sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes our, our parents, yes, I like that. It was really, really well said that sometimes they need the education. Hello. Hi everyone, I'm Layla. Um, just to add on to um, what Hannah said, I think our group talked about, um, I think the power of speaking intergenerationally and then it was mentioned that there was a really great podcast um, where they talked about a letter. I think that a, a bunch of young folks who were primarily um, different um, Asian identities, South Asian, East Asian, Southeast Asian, um, got together to write to their parents. Um, I also had seen the podcast and I think, right, I had seen the letter in a different format. Um, and they taught, and I think what was really cool about that was that the letter was translated to, I think, 40 different Asian languages. So that, actually, I don't know if it was that many. It was a, a good number of Asian languages, so that, especially the immigrant parents could read and really understand sort of the history of anti-black racism in the country and also the current moment of Black Lives Matter. Um, so just to add on to the point about speaking intergenerationally, and then I think like it is important to to be around folks of of a community to understand them better. But then we also don't want to play into the, like um, I guess ide ideas of like having a black friend as as being sufficient to counter racism. But definitely proximity to those communities I think is really important. Thank you, Layla. Well said. Well said. Um, I believe that that uh, letter to um, from the Southeast Asian community to their families is was one of our uh, resources on the list, right? So um, if that has gone out, you will have access to it and may use it. Was this group coming next? Boom and then boom, or boom and then boom. Um, a couple of us are journalists here, but and we talked about a number of different things. Um, but I'm also a teacher, and I know that we need to put a great emphasis on education. And uh, I know I I had taught for over almost 40 years, and uh, a lot of times my black students were intimidated by their parents or other relatives or friends that you know you don't want to be white by getting an education as if being educated is a white thing and not a universal thing. So we need to put emphasis on uh, educating our parents, all our parents as well, to, to put uh, uh, 
to instill the value of education and what, what it can do. Also in terms of media, I know a few years ago, I don't know how many of you are aware, there was a, a Islamic reality show, I forget the exact name, and Lowe's pulled out from advertising it, and so I boycotted Lowe's. We, we need to be aware when those things happen and boycott those, those companies that don't give fair uh, treatment to television shows, but we also need to, uh, to make sure that through film, I mean, look at, look at what television has done for the gay community. A few years ago, uh, most attitudes in America were very negative, but now they're, the vast majority is positive in terms of, of gay uh, uh, members of our community. We can do the same thing about the Muslim community and many other uh, communities. So is there anybody else from the... Um, we were tasked to discuss how we can act um, as a group within our affinity group. And um, some of us concluded that um, we need to educate ourselves on how we fit into the racial problem. And there are some really good books out there, and we discussed one of them. And maybe we could have book group meetings among ourselves to, um, to see how being white is part of um, the racial conversation. Many times we think racial problems are other races. We don't put whites in there. And there's a way to bring ourselves into that discussion. And uh, having book groups is one way to do that, to educate ourselves. Thank you for that. Um, there are several on the resources list. There's also several really wonderful um, websites. One that I like, Raising Conscious Children, race, Raising Race Conscious Children, which are, have also very rich uh, discussion topics that you know all of us can um, gather and, and discuss. So thank you for that. This group was next. Salaam um, alaikum. My name is Amy. Um, basically, in our group here, we've talked about we touched base on white privilege and that most uh, most white people when they hear that connotation they are offended by it um, but in the real in reality it exists and we we talked about you know we need to get over that and our our way of doing something about it is going out and meeting the african-american and sp sitting and understanding because in actuality we have no clue what they're going through we have we we don't feel it we don't we don't deal with it so in order for us to activate ourselves i think we need to really sit down with the community and understand what they're going through and what they're feeling and maybe we can find a, a level where we can actually relate and and go from there does anybody else want to say something I would like to add to that that it's not, we can't just go out and have a conversation with a group of black people to learn what we need to learn. Uh, there are several of our cousin members here, Jewish and Muslim women, and when we first began meeting like 13 years ago, our conversations were really guarded and it was, they were really narrow. And we had to develop a 
loving each other in order to open up to have the deeper conversations, which we now have. But you can't just go out and meet somebody. It's not that easy. You have to come to know and love them. Thank you. So I'm hearing educating our families. I'm hearing educating ourselves. I'm hearing having book uh, group discussions. Um, and I just had a blank normally. God, I'm so sorry. Tell me again what you said. So we have to not just have shallow conversations. Yes, thank you. With each other and not have guarded conversations with each other. Thank you. Um, I also heard the idea of boycotts. Ooh, that's a scary word. But there are lots of things. If you educate yourselves, um, um, products, places that you can boycott that don't support um, the fight against oppression. Who was going next? I think we had two more groups. Was there anyone that was going to speak from this group? Now, you don't have to, but I think that you should activate your voices. Yes. Because we didn't really decide on who. Um, so she gave a really good example of how she was in line and somebody in front of her. Um, sorry, what? Uh, right there. <laughs> and just how there are small things and there are big picture things. So the person in front of her was African-American, and she went to go give her ticket, and she said, oh, you have to print it out. You can't use your phone. And then she went up and said, she doesn't have to print it out. This is a green conference. <laughs> so let her in. And then she was able to get her in. So partnering and standing up for people where, when we see it right in front of us and having the courage to do that. And then other things we were talking about was how to, you know, of course, at the home and in our communities. Um, she gave a really good example of how when a really awful thing happens in the Muslim community and the, or African-American community too, that she and her family cooks a meal for their neighbors and kind of shows like the, the connection that way. Um, we were also talking about conversations between people who are supporting police officers and pe people who are maybe on the other side. And inter interjecting into that conversation, what's reasonable force and what's excessive force? What's a, a drug bust versus helping a person who's in a mental health situation? Um, and then also how we can engage in changing certain policies, of course, voting, but also joining neighborhood councils, going to city council meetings, writing to our members of Congress. And I used to work for an assembly member, and we actually would log in what we got from different people, like what letters w were on what issues and which bills. I mean, it makes a, s a small difference. Um, but also, how we can um, in affect the... <laughs> I know, do you guys want to talk? How we, how we can affect the, the strong, the police unions and change the policy of paid leave off for what are murders in our communities. Um, and, and changing those cases and supporting cases of that, you know, some lawyers are working on excessive force cases. Um, and uploading videos that we see right away because the DA is implementing a rule that it's part of evidence and they can't be disclosed anymore. And um, being technologically savvy and multiplying those copies so that the word is still able to get out. And that's the really benefit of what's happening now is that we're able to engage in the conversation that way through the technology. Baby wants to use her voice. 
Do you have things to say, baby? <laughs> now I'm giving you the mic. You don't want it. <laughs> confiscated and the ACLU has an app that if you upload and if there's nothing contacted they will upload it automatically because now the district attorney is not allowing any of that video to be released and people were even complaining about our phones were confiscated so instead of doing it on Facebook or doing like do it on the ACLU ACLU app and you can put it for LA and the thing is it also I think geo marks where you are too when it happens too as well so we'll be go they will load it up for you they will they will distribute it even if the police take it away so that's just one thing I wanted just to comment on that too as well Was there more from this uh, group that would like to use their voice and share what um, you or the group would like to do? Yes. I'll just add that, you know, I'm hearing so many great ideas and loving it, that it's really important for me what I'm walking away with is it's important to know what I'm committed to in terms of like what is, um, uh, what's the word, like what's in line with my strengths. So I know I'm not gonna be that person who um, goes and changes police, you know, uh, what was the leave and like on the political grand level, which is necessary, but I am that person who will have the conversations and or do those other things. So not to feel overwhelmed or just really take ownership for what I can do. Is it, this is a quick one in the sense that people ca can go down to their own, um, the police stations or whichever it is closest to where you live and invite the police officers or, or whoever is there and willing to come down to have a little one-on-one -on -one conversation with the people they're supposed to be protecting. So, and actually my neighbor who is black, she did do it and uh, invited the, <coughs> I, I don't know if he was the chief or what, but just to get an idea like, hello, I'm so-and-so and, you know, next time, God forbid, there is something, <laughs> don't shoot me. <laughs> I think that is um, interesting that you say that. I went over to check with my co-facilitator and was made aware that Pasadena police used taser restraints, physical restraints on mouth and knife who died in police altercation just this morning, um, who called the police on himself to receive help. Um, and in, even in those unfortunate uh, spaces, he still was not safe. He called to get help for himself. And I just wanted to bring that up to really, really speak to the urgency of what we need to do here. That it's not something that, you know, there are, and I don't want to downplay, you know, some of the wonderful ideas that um, have been spoken already, but I really, really want us to know that we need to act right now. Um, it's not something that you can schedule next week or something that you can do next month or next week. We need to do something now because literally people are dying every day this morning. Was there more from this affinity group on things that we can do? I'm gonna 
pass it to Sister Abrafi, but just before that, I, and we, we talked about education in terms of, um, when I say it's urgent, I encourage us to quickly understand the history of this country, because I feel like a lot of us have no idea about the history of this country. And so that's where we kind of have the disconnect, is some of us are thinking like 300 years of oppression. So I encourage you to quickly find those links, catch up fast. Um, the 13th Amendment that is a movie that's a documentary movie, it's coming on Netflix, that's going to talk about how slavery was, was um, transitioned into mass incarceration. So if you want to catch up fast in 90 minutes to just to have a sense of how people are being dehumanized and killed so quickly, go to Netflix, I believe it's October 7th, and watch that. That's something you can do really quickly so that we can all get on the same page about what it means to be dehumanized and, and we can speak out against it. We could start t sharing with our parents and stuff like that because I think it's more than just a, f a friend. It's about an entire group of people has been dehumanized and, and that's how oppression happens and it could happen to any group, any one of us. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. I'd like to address on my soapbox something I've been doing for my entire adult life. Miseducation of the Negro is a book by Carter G. Woodson, who graduated from Harvard, I think back in 1896, something like that, long time ago. And this is what, when you refer to the children who are being uh, lambasted as trying to act white when they, you know, they're trying to get an education. What is happening is that the education that is being presented to African-American children is primarily, first of all, the public school system is way overdue for a major overhaul. We're still trying to teach children the same way they were being taught when they first opened up the concept of public schools. You know that because you're an educator, okay? When the children are being educated to devalue themselves and their families and, their families and the things you know, you know about quote unquote black English, the children are feeling like this is not me, I'm not being accepted, therefore I'm rejecting what is being presented to me. And that is a major problem that has been going on from day one. So we have to address that, those of us who are educators, that is an issue that has to be addressed. But I would strongly urge everyone in this room, because it is a 400-year history of what has happened to African Americans that, have brought us, that has brought us to the point where now you have an entire police force that is actually just scared, you know that word, less. They are just scared. And so they're shooting anything that even looks like it's black, even looks like it's going to move. You know, that is a major problem. That white police officer, I think it was in Tennessee, who has been charged with killing a black man, she said she was just afraid. Okay, I can understand why she was afraid, because 400 years has taught her to be afraid, and she did what she thought needed to be done. That's in addition to those who are frankly just abusing black people under color of authority. Those are two different issues, okay? But the bottom line is we must get about the business of examining what it is that has brought this situation to where it is. You got people saying, wasn't no racism going on until Obama got out of hand and started being the president, <laughs> okay? No, 
Obama becoming the president simply brought out the latent racism, okay? And that's what we have to address. I talked with a white woman at USC. She was doing a presentation, wonderful presentation. And she was saying how the truth of the matter is African Americans have been trained to be inferior and to think that they are inferior. White people have been trained to think that they are superior and they are acting on that. Okay, so there are two different jobs. African Americans must learn the reality that no one is better than another except by their deeds. Whites have to learn that they are not superior and that job has to take place in the white community. It just has to take place in the white community. Okay, so there are those people of goodwill who are trying to make a difference, alhamdulillah. And there are those people who would just like to keep it the same way it is, and it's not going to work. We are headed for a civil war. We are headed for a police state, which is already showing up. That's when you have the police being the judge and the executioner all at once. That's a police state. And when it gets loose, if you think the only people who are going to be doing that are white police officers, no, it's going to be everyone. It would be a full-scale civil war. So those of us who are here who have good hearts and want to make a difference, we have to get educated about the history of Africans from the beginning of time, but specifically in this country, what has happened. And that's also true of my sister here, Nicole. Turns out she's Latina. And I said, well, you know, are there any other Latinos in the room? She's like, I seem to be the only one. I'm like, okay, then just all that you're hearing here, when you hear the word African-American, just kind of pull that out and just put Latino in there. It's the same story, okay, just with a different group of people. And it is very quickly becoming Muslims. It's already here, okay? So we have a lot of work to do, but thank you for my soapbox. Because she's my mom, I'm going to give her the mic. What am I going to do, really, y'all? I just have one short comment to make. And that is, we are the product ourselves of what is happening to us. Of course, it started somewhere, and we know where it started, the inbreeding of uh, inferiority. But we, as a group of people, African-American people, consciously or unconsciously, has carried it on amongst ourselves. We treat each other differently based on how we look, based on how educated we are, based on this or based on that. We are a divided people and I think the hands-on part is to become aware of that and not try to act like you don't think that it exists. We are a divided people who needs to become united. And the only way we can become united is to realize that if you're not as educated as I am, I can't deal with you. If you're not as light as I am, I can't deal with you. If you can't do this, I can't deal with you. But it's just not everybody around us that's causing our problem. We cause our own problems also. And my hands-on thing is to just try to go inside and realize that we are our own problems sometimes. Thank you. Excuse me. Sorry, Samaya. 
Um, thank you for your words, Sister Salima. Thank all of you guys for um, participating, for being willing and brave to use your voice to share with us, to share with each other. Um, and again, want to encourage you to, you know, I am deputizing all of us um, as people of action. And please, you know, go into the streets, um, your communities, your home, and do what it is that you can to uh, be that voice against oppression. With that note, Hannah. Alrighty, so we have a very special birthday. It's Hasna, our founder. Where's she at? Oh, there she is. You want me to, you wanna carry that and I'll carry the mic? I was like, what is Hannah doing? She's not a facilitator. <laughs> There's gonna be some singing happening. On <laughs> day to ya, happy birthday to ya, happy birthday, happy birthday to ya, happy birthday to ya, happy birthday. Oh, you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Thank you so much.